0: You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your host Evan
1: Hey guys, this is Evan with the Lucky Ten Thousand, the podcast that gets you luckier than realizing you don't have to just do seasonally. Sometimes you can do special eps, and I will explain that in a second. But first, I got to thank Podbean and Stitcher for hosting us. And if you want to give us a five star review on Stitcher or iTunes, we will read it on the air. Email us Lucky Ten Thousand at Gmail, and our Twitter is Lucky underscore. It's at Lucky underscore Ten K. Now, uh because. I have turned this into a seasonal podcast, and I love that. I like get to learn about a lot of things. I get to talk to a lot of different people. However, one of the negatives of that is we can't just do sort of the one-off episodes like Carissa and I used to do. But it's my fucking podcast, so I can do whatever I want. So I've decided that in between seasons, because it takes a lot of work to put a season up. I say work in quotations because it's a podcast. But um I decided that in order to talk to people I'm interested in talking to about things I'm interested in that I know they're also passionate about, we'll just do these every once in a while whenever I feel like it's special pop-up episodes. This episode, I welcome fellow podcasters, Nerd Bliss, Chris And why am I blanking on your name? Tracy, Tina, Tina, I'm such an asshole. Chris and Tina from the Nerd Bliss podcast. Guys, thank you for being on my show. And thank you for letting me use your
0: facilities to record this. Oh, because you pleasure. guys have such a great setup here. Well, we're glad to have you back here. You were you were on our show once upon a time.
1: I was, and this is sort of my not only thank you to you for having me on, because uh, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun, but also there's something that we are all kind of passionate about that I can't talk about on my other podcast, because Jason Underwood hasn't watched a second of it, even though he would <laughs> love it, because we're all Star Trek fans in this room. Yes, My yes. favorite iteration of Star Trek is The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. That's the one I grew up with. That's the one I got the most attached to. Mm-hmm. And it went away I I couldn't get into Deep Space Nine as much as I wanted to I didn't like much of Voyager that I saw so then after that I just kind of fell off and all the announcements came of new Star Trek movies new Star Trek shows and I would watch them and I would go yeah they're fine but it's not Star Trek like the Star Trek J.J. Abrams movies are fine Mm -hmm. as sort of action you know spectacle movies Mm -hmm. but it's not Star Trek Star Trek, meaning it's not dull and people just don't (laughs) talk to each other all the time. I mean, I'm kidding, of course, but one of the best things about The Next Generation was that it was about something, but it was also more about characters than anything else. Right. It was very, it was cerebral. People use that term a lot with Star Trek, but it was, I mean, it was especially the type of guy Picard was. He wasn't the guy that was going to go like, Hey, alien, uh, we disagree with you. Start firing lasers where I kind of feel like the current Captain Kirk would just be like I'm just going to go over there and punch him. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we were I was starving for something that kind of took me back to that feeling of the next generation and along comes The Orville. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Seth MacFarlane fan and I remember seeing commercials for it and being very excited for it but I don't have cable TV because it's a waste of money. Certainly. So you guys started talking about it on your podcast. Uh but last year I finally sat down to watch the first season. And I've now finished both, and I love the show, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you guys' impressions of the show in general? Do you kind of feel the same way I do, that it's kind of a throwback to to what you feel are kind of the glory days of Star Trek? Oh, abs- absolutely.
0: It definitely was a love letter to Next Generation, for sure. Um, and, and that much is evident. And it... It does, I think, sort of indicate that there is still a market for that type yes. of sci-fi, and you know, storytelling changes as audience mm-hmm. audiences change, and uh, that that was kind of uh, I guess, that was kind of the, the reason why CBS started went the direction they went with mm-hmm. Star Trek. But now, you yeah. guys watch
1: Discovery, and I do not. Is it more the J.J. Abrams? actiony punchy punchy star trek not no.
2: really oh, okay i mean there there is better filmed and higher budget action yeah. where there's action yeah but it is mostly the talking cerebral oh, okay. you know right. um serious science right. fiction um but yeah, scenes around a conference table. That is what Star Trek is all <laughs> <Exactly>. about.
1: <laughs> and there's plenty of that in the Orville. And it's like you say, it's a love letter to the next generation. And it's no secret that Seth MacFarlane was a massive next generation fan. Right. And this is kind of what I love about the show is he's not hiding it. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is the next generation. The character templates are there, the design is there, the lighting is there, it all looks like the next generation, just in an alternate universe, but that's kind of why I love the shows, because mm-hmm. Seth is not sitting there going, oh, this is a completely new vision. He basically is saying, "Yeah, it's my next generation." He's
0: not the Vanilla Ice of the Star Trek world. No, it's not the same song. It's da 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 da. da." Yeah, (laughs) the the theme song is very similar. (laughs) The ship design is pretty cool, but you know, basically
1: the same type of thing. Yeah, but that's kind kind of what I wanted to get into because my opinion of Seth MacFarlane as a person is rooted in this show now. Mm-hmm. Cause I have formed the opinion and we'll get into the, the details of the show in a second that Seth McFarlane is a, not the best at original ideas, but fantastic at sort of using other ideas as a springboard and taking it in directions that you didn't think he, he could. Right. And also that he is obsessed with relationships. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. And those are there. We, we're not like drooling fanboys. We're going to get into some negatives. Mm-hmm. Um, the show is not perfect but let's just start off by talking about the first season so what did you guys think of when you sat down to watch the first episode of the first season what were your initial reactions
2: i really felt like um it wasn't as jokey as i expected which was good yeah um and then i was like oh shit we're gonna have x's on the bridge um (sighs) that was odd That
0: was (laughs) interesting, interesting story choice,
2: not a choice I would have probably made, honestly. Yeah. As a as a, you know, I've my uh, science fiction love is is deep and, Mm -hmm. and wide. I wouldn't have. Yeah. wouldn't have put set myself up that way. Right.
0: And to yeah, to 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 sort of to sort of agree and springboard off of what she's saying. Uh, the the big thing was oh, oh it's just going to be Family Guy in space right well when you watch those first two three episodes yes. you immediately realize no this is not Family Guy in space it's not this is still trying to do something serious yes it's and a dramedy, basically yeah and and in the, yeah the the relationship thing I think it's it there, there are pros and cons to yes. it I narratively I love the fact that we have an ex spouse on the mm-hmm. bridge. Uh, the Star Trek geek in me is going, well, no, a military organization would allow that. Right. That would be against <laughs> regulations. But, you know, that, I, 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 you have to forgive me. I'm a Star Trek fan. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you, you but, raise uh, a good
1: point. And I mean, right. I'll, I'll I'll agree with you guys that at first, when I saw that was the concept of the show, I kind of went, mm-hmm. not even thinking about the military thing, just thinking about the, the idea of the, the possibilities of... How that would kind of put a monkey wrench into anything they wanted to do plot wise, right? And it hasn't nearly as much as I thought it would. Although it's kind of the centerpiece of the whole show, those two characters' mm-hmm. relationship. We're talking about uh, Captain uh, Mercer and um, Kelly. What's her name? Kelly. What's her name? <laughs> yeah. Her. Um. But so my my initial thought of the first couple of episodes was I enjoyed it. I saw what it was doing. I saw what it was going for. You're right. There wasn't nearly as much humor as I was expecting. There are moments, especially in that first season, mm-hmm. when the humor does feel kind of shoehorned in. It just yeah. kind of doesn't fit the tone of the scene. Mm-hmm. Also, there are so many throughout the whole show, and I mentioned this on The Bearded Ones, my other podcast, so many pop culture references that I'm like, this is, what, three, 400 years in the future? Mm-hmm. And I understand there's stuff that everyone loves that will stand the test of time. But does every character have to reference 80s pop culture?
2: I love Star Trek so much, but why the fuck is it all Shakespeare yeah. and classical music? Well, that and that's, that's one of
1: the biggest differences between the Orville and Star Trek Next Generation that I like, is that Star Trek Next Generation was a great show, and I loved it, and they had great characters, but they almost never really portrayed them as just real, fallible people. Right. They had their flaws, but Gene Roddenberry's vision was so the human race in general is so above everything now that it was almost at times a little pretentious and everybody got along too well. A little? It gets
2: (laughs) less that after Roddenberry It does. Exited because because you can't write
1: that. So the Orville is almost just like regular dudes in space mm-hmm. who, right. who, who are still military guys and they're good at what they do, but they're normal people.
0: Right. And they're I relatable. They're
1: very relatable. Whereas yeah. there aren't that many relatable characters in the next generation. They're just people you enjoy watching yeah. and would love to hang out with. In most cases, fuck you, Wesley. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh. I'm kidding. That's, that's just, that's just an easy Star Trek go-to joke, but these guys, you could actually see yourself sort of being like Scott Grimes, who plays the navigator, is such a uh, yeah. is just such a regular dude. He just yes. happens to be very good at what he does.
0: He, um I, and I realize he's he's worked with Seth before. I think yeah. in, in his movie, and I haven't I haven't really watched any of that. But he is actually one of my favorite actors and characters. Um, I'm mine and, too. And yet he's got he's got great comedic timing Mm -hmm. he's good at selling his character Mm -hmm. and then we find out in a later episode dude can sing yeah like is a real deal and we'll get to that episode
1: because the thing is when i talk about the springboard from other people's ideas a lot of the plots of these episodes in the first two seasons Hmm. are really taken wholesale from Mm -hmm. plots of the next generation and we'll get into that and that's why i think sometimes mcfarlane is great at doing something with other people's ideas Yep. but not necessarily coming up wholesale originally on his own. Mm-hmm. So let me get to episode two: command performance. When Mercer and Grayson are trapped in a replica of their old apartment, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the oldest idea in science fiction: is we're humans in a zoo that aliens are now oh, the watching menagerie the menagerie, the kind menagerie of thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, there's a Twilight
2: Zone episode <laughs> yeah, like that too. Yeah. There's, that's <laughs> been an idea for them. a
1: long, long time. And so this is this is you know early on for season, everybody stumbles a little bit. I was starting to go, mm, "I'm not seeing enough originality here. This is such an old idea. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see their interplay when they were trapped in this apartment," mm-hmm. but I was thinking, "Oh man, this is such an old idea. Mm-hmm. And please just like let's let's go somewhere different." So that episode I liked, but my patience was a little short with it. Yeah. What did you guys think?
0: Well, yeah i I agree, and it it kind of hints at something with uh with with Orville that i'm detecting is as a theme overall uh which is I would say it's its strength, which is this um throwback to the style of storytelling mm-hmm. of next generation, mm-hmm. is also kind of its weakness sometimes yeah it I felt like he was trying to trying too hard to chain it to something that people would recognize right and, and instead of giving us something completely fresh, which is in, in fairness to Seth MacFarlane is not easy to do. No, it's no, hard no, not to find a story that has not been told. Oh,
1: There there aren't any stories um, that haven't been told, but right. to, to make it so blatantly, oh my gosh, now we're in a zoo and aliens are looking at us because we're the aliens. I'm just like, right. oh no, guys.
2: <laughs> I can't help feeling a little snobby to think that they may have done that the first season, because it's a lot of family Guy fans that maybe maybe that is new for them <laughs> I mean, they don't right. like they like <laughs> yeah. uh what you're
1: saying is family guy fans are mouth breathers who don't understand uh a higher uh arts I'm kidding you don't have to answer that Dana no, I kidding. mean...
2: I, I like know. Family
1: Guy. I haven't watched it in a while, but I, I still would consider it a show that I like. I'm just joking with I you. I like know.
2: Family Guy. I just don't think it's like, it's not a good show. It's not a highbrow show. I wouldn't. No, I it's I don't not watch it because it's. Like, right. good for me, I'm, I'm just, just play
1: with you. I just yeah. wanted to see you squirt <laughs> for a for I,
0: I used to, I used to love the show now it's more of a guilty pleasure.
2: I haven't watched you know? any new episodes in a while,
1: but the last yeah. time I did, I didn't hate it. yeah, um, so then we go on to this is where the show starts started to really grab me, I think, because this was about a girl, the episode where you first get into the Molins whole uh, view of life. And mm-hmm. this was when Bortus, who's high on my list of favorite characters on the show, yeah. and Clyden, his asshole husband. <laughs> Clyden's just <laughs> such a piece of shit. He really is. <laughs> um they have a child and on their planet, you know, no one can be a girl. And if you're mm-hmm. born a girl, you have to go through the surgery and this is this is when I started to really click into the show. Right. Because I thought, okay, this is interesting. This is going a direction I didn't see. And spoilers at the end of the episode, the good guys don't win. Right? She gets the mm-hmm. the the change against Bordas's will, and that creates a really great running thread through the rest of the seasons. Is his resentment for what happened to his child? How right. did you how did you guys like that episode?
2: I love what they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really there's so many questions that are. Re- culturally relevant Mm -hmm. to say whose decision is this Mm -hmm. because if even if what we consider the good guys you know whatever they call the federation in that show i don't know the
0: galactic union i believe one
2: and you didn't have to change the baby. Well, the baby can't go back right. to where the baby is from. Right. That's the baby's culture. Like, and
1: I think we had this conversation on Facebook, you and I, yeah. Chris, that at one point we were going, oh, no, another Moklin plot. But they always managed to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's one of the best things about the show is that I think the Moklins sort of represent the alt-right in this universe in a way. Yeah. And it's just sort of... You know, I like the fact that Seth MacFarlane is obviously very liberal and an atheist and all this other stuff. And he's taken potshots at religion for years. And I'm not a religious person at all. But I like the fact that the show attempts, at least, to sort of truly look at things from both sides. Mm-hmm. The Mocklins aren't necessarily depicted as purely evil. It's just that they are so deeply embedded in this culture that they fostered for years. And Clyden is the ultimate sort of sort of drone to this Culture thing that right. It's it, any good villain, and I don't look at Clyden as a villain. He's just a dickhead. But any good sort of villain is feels that they're absolutely right. Right. Not they're not just. He's doing this because culturally he he thinks it's what you're supposed to do. It's a believable motivation. Absolutely, it is. Right. So yeah, that was a great episode. Uh, the next one is if the stars should appear. That was the one where they found the ship with the people in it. That couldn't operate their ship anymore. But then at the end of the episode, they figured out how, and the, the canopy looked like daytime all the time. Mm. And so these people hadn't oh, seen nighttime. Yeah. Gotcha. That was a very purely star Trek, the next generation episode yep. to me.
0: Do you guys remember that one? I do. I do. And that one actually did remind me of a specific next generation episode where uh, the Federation was doing like a, a duck blind observation of this uh, prehistoric culture. Yes. And they ended up getting discovered. Yes. Yes. Uh, that that kind of sort which of was also that. insurrection. Yeah, <laughs>
2: only much better. The yep. episode <laughs> yeah, is yeah, 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 much yeah. better. Most
1: of the Next Generation episodes <laughs> are better than the movie.
0: Never thought about that. Thank you for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I'd forgotten about that episode of the Next Generation. Yeah. So I, I remember being just bored with insurrection, and yeah. I, which may seem hypocritical because here I am going, oh, Star Trek shouldn't be all bang bang action pal, but it also shouldn't be that. You yeah. gotta <laughs> find a good middle ground. But then. I saw a review online where somebody was like, oh yeah, this was an episode where Picard did the right thing and didn't do what he does in this movie. Because these guys are assholes. They're this small population of people that just wants to hog the resources of this planet to stay forever young. And these other aliens who are dying Are the bad guys because they want the, the rejuvenative properties right. of this planet? And Picard's like, "No, because I want to bone one of your people. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to fight against the Federation and what the Federation wants." When he would have never done that in the show. Yeah, but that's just a side rant.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Well, I will not uh, debate the the badness of of insurrection. But, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so the next episode I have is called Priya, and I think this one was the one that introduced. Sort of Mercer's love interest that turned out to be uh, a saboteur, a krill. Yes, who are pretty pretty cool bad guys as far as Star Trek is concerned. Eh, well, okay.
0: Uh, a little the, one note. The, the, yeah, a little, a little one note. And and here again is where I feel like the the deliberate association with Star Trek: The Next Generation mm-hmm. hurts it because it doesn't. It doesn't feel fresh because, right. oh, here's our version of the Klingons. Right. Okay. Let's go from there. See, I guess it doesn't bother
1: yeah. me because they come at it from such a more. This is Seth MacFarlane railing against religion. That's what they're there for. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and their motivation is much more purely based in this old sort of archaic religious belief that they have. Mm-hmm. And uh, that to me is understandable because they're not necessarily warlike like the Klingons. They don't want to fight just for the sake of fighting. Right. They just try to convert everyone. They're missionaries who are just really
2: bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that most missionaries and and all their
0: ships are uh, and you'll not change my mind on this. All of their ships are 3D printed mouse pointers. You'll not unsee (laughs) that. Think
1: about that. But no, you're (laughs) right. I'm not going to be able to unsee that. Um, Let's see. The next one is the Krill where Gordon Malloy and Mercer infiltrate the Krill Destroyer to obtain a copy of the Krill Holy Text. Mm It's a fine episode. I don't remember loving it or hating it. Um, I don't remember much about it other than them being on the ship.
0: Uh, yeah, that, I believe that's the one where we learned that the name of their God is Avis.
1: Yes. Yes, <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> nice, nice running joke <laughs> He's there. He's the lord of the rent-a-car. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Next one. Okay. This is an episode I legitimately can say I, I, it's probably my least favorite episode of the series mm-hmm. because it, it, it has all the problems that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. It's ripping off straight other people's ideas. Uh, I, since it's an ensemble show, each episode has to focus on a different character. And unfortunately, this episode decided to focus on what I thought at the time was the weakest character is majority rule. And that's the one where they go down to the alternate earth. And everybody's got the social media things on their shirts. Yeah. And the one guy who's one of the navigators at this point, I cannot remember his name. Uh he's probably my least favorite actor on the show. I hate to say um, it, but he's oh he's, yeah, he's now his? the engineer. Jay Lee and the character is um yeah, I I Lieutenant John that. Lamar. Is that him? Yep. So he's the one that was the navigator and now he's the engineer? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I I don't think he's a particularly strong actor on the show. And also, you combine that with the fact that that idea of the whole world. Now, you know, if you get enough dislikes in your social media, then you go to jail. True that's democracy. been done. In, that's been done in community. Right. That's been done in Black Mirror, Doctor Who, did Doctor it. Who. It's it goes way back, and they didn't do anything interesting with it. I think like I said before, Seth MacFarlane's strength to me is bouncing off of other people's ideas, and we'll get into that more in the second season because that's where I think it really shines, than just sort of retreading. And this episode was just such a retread and focused on a character I was not interested in. It's a bad episode.
0: Well, okay. Um I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. I was okay I, again, it's not one of my favorite episodes either. I was okay with it mm-hmm. because I do feel like we do need to be conscious of social media culture and Absolutely. what it is doing because now um and i and, and again i'm am, i am glad that the the me too movement came around mm-hmm. uh and i want to I, i'm prefacing what i'm about to say with that <laughs> because you have to but it, 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 we've kind of reached a point where you no longer have to actually have evidence or be proven guilty right I agree to with To lose everything because of social media I, culture. I
1: totally agree with that. Uh, I'm very fond of, you know, Patton Oswalt had a great conversation mm-hmm. on a podcast I listened to where he was right. talking about, you know, he's very liberal and his fans are very liberal. Mm-hmm. And he knows this one conservative guy who he doesn't agree with anything the guy says, but the guy just happens to be a really good writer. Mm-hmm. So he finally found an article where the guy says something he agreed with and he thought it was extremely well written. So he posted it on his Twitter. And the next thing you know, all his fans are like, you fucking sell out. All right, motherfucker. And he's like, look, I'm just saying this guy has one point I agree with and he writes it well and everybody turned on him and that is you're right. That's the world we're living in. I just wish if they were going to mine that idea, Mm -hmm. they would have done it in a way that hasn't been done Three times within the last like five years. Right. <laughs> the way right. they did it was so. I mean, if you watch yeah. that, have you seen the Black Mirror episode with Bryce Dallas Howard? I, I have not. And it's I, had the exact
0: same thing. And I also, and again, maybe this is, it's just uh, indicative of, of the mode in which I am in when I watch. I hadn't really been thinking about where I'd seen this mm-hmm. before. Um, I, and, you know, you mentioned Doctor Who. Doctor Who, there's so much space between when you get sure. to see Doctor Who. I'd completely forgotten. And again, I had not seen the Black Mirror. So, for me, it felt a little bit more fresh. Right.
1: Yeah, well, um, there was an episode of Community, too, about two yeah. years before the Black Mirror episode came out called Meow Meow Beans, I think was the yeah. name of it. And it was a social app that the more likes you got, the higher in, in status you went. And the, the it was the exact same concept, and had been done twice within the past couple of years. I just wish at the, in the writer's room, somebody would have said, hey, I love the concept. If we're going to do this, let's you know right. put a different spin on it. And they absolutely didn't. And so that's why I, I, I like the philosophy behind it. Right. I just thought the episode itself was just such a retread of ideas that had been done yep. so recently. Yeah, and I that, can I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next one into the fold. The Finns and Isaac are stranded on an unknown moon. Yeah, this was the one where uh, Claire and Isaac and her kids uh, shipwrecked. Yes. on that planet. And the kids started getting sick. Really. I liked it a lot. And I, and
0: yes. I, and I called it with Dr. And Isaac, that episode, that was the one I said, never saw, I, I never saw that exactly coming where they're going with that. That is yep. so
1: funny. I never saw that coming. <laughs> and with, with, at this point I was starting to get tired of all how every episode seemed to start to revolve around our relationship. So it was kind of yeah. fresh to see, Oh, this is just sort of a standalone story with these characters trying to survive Mm -hmm. But then you just kinda said, Yeah, I know, I knew exactly Yeah, I could've never predicted that.
2: (laughs) No, he and he he did and I was like I don't know about that. <laughs> it
1: like, would be weird, but that's where when we're getting into the second season and that's the stuff that the second season does so well is I think subverting expectations and yep. doing things that I don't think any other show would do, because it's the whole, you know, Data tried to have a girlfriend in the next generation and it failed miserably. And yep. this one at least had an arc to it. Yep. And we'll get to it. Uh, next episode is Cupid's Dagger. Where uh Kelly's old boyfriend, I think it was Rob Lowe that played yep. him, maybe yep. that was a good Comes episode. Comes on board and he's got the pheromones and everybody's kind of upping their their romance game. Yep. Really fun episode. This is where I think it gets back into comedy that works. Yeah. As opposed to just odd one liners that mm-hmm. seem to come out of nowhere.
0: What I liked about that episode, and one of the things that, that Orville is doing that is Genuinely, and it's a good thing that it's in the tradition of Star Trek. Is Mm -hmm. it does highlight. Uh, evolving social values. Yes. And very well in that particular episode, it was very evident that in that, in the 25th century, love is love, right? People just love who they love and right. the and gender doesn't matter. I got
1: to admit as a viewer, when I, when yeah. it was revealed to me that that's the guy she slept with, that she cheated on him with yeah. even me who can, I consider myself very open and progressive kind of went, Ugh. yeah. And then I realized, oh, well, that's the point is in this show. Nobody cared that he was an alien they just cared that that she cheated on her husband. Right. <laughs> and I, that's one of the reasons I enjoyed that episode. And he was so likable.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is that the one where everybody sort of got? Yeah. Right? Okay. See, this is a very important episode for me because I think Dr. Finn and Yafit, like, that that works for yeah. me. Oh
0: yeah, you but are you are a big you are, I, you, you you totally ship Doctor Finn and uh <laughs>
2: Yeah. And I and mean when now, he, Yaffet,
0: uh, for anyone
1: that's if you're listening to this and you don't know who these characters are, why the fuck are you listening? Yeah, is the, the blob of voiced <laughs> by uh, Norm McDonald. Yes. Who has a crush on the doctor. And this is also where the show gets me where it goes where Star Trek Next Generation never could, because Next Generation always hinted at sex. And they always sort of you know, they'd show Riker making out with a chick and go into bed, but nothing more than that the
2: only exception is beverly crusher and ghost sex right right that is right. the yeah. one exception
1: right and but this, this is, is like full-on almost she was completely naked she, when yeah, <laughs> like inside of a inside. yeah
2: and i'm like <laughs> i can see how that would work oh i <laughs> can too. totally work
1: i mean i'd give it a shot as Especially long as he knows what he's, he's doing like warm <laughs> yeah
2: like that, yeah,
1: I, it reminds me of that scene in Watchmen when Doctor Manhattan is doing the—you know—he's the five different
0: Doctor Manhattans. Oh yeah, he's having the... having sex while working on yeah. the the big nuclear yeah. reactor at the same time. I yeah. mean,
1: there's nowhere that blob can't go. Yeah, <laughs> so you know. That could be a lot of fun. And yeah. he's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. A little a little depressing because it is voiced by Norm MacDonald. And I love Norm MacDonald, but he's not the most high-energy spirited guy no. in the world. No, well, no he's I'm,
0: not. I'm glad that Yafit, I mean, at first, Yafit was pretty much uh, a, a joke. Yeah. And then later, he became less of a joke. Yes. Or, or I will say less of a joke, but they added more depth to his character. In the
1: second season, he helps out right. and, and almost sacrifices himself. And that's another thing I can say very positively about the show is for so many years, especially with Star Trek. We've got all these alien cultures we run into constantly, and they're all just sort of people with shit on their forehead. And (laughs) this is a really good representation of a show with I can't imagine the budget being that big, but they have a great variety in the aliens that are on the ship for the most part. I mean, most of them are still just people. Right. That, that, you know, have two legs and two arms and their faces look different. But Mm -hmm. then you have people like Yafet and you have people like there was the big tentacled alien working in the engine room at one point. And it's just like, (laughs) that's really cool to see. Um, Yeah. So that was a great one. Firestorm is the one I was talking to you guys about before the episode started recording of one I didn't remember until I went back and researched. And now I want to go back and watch it again Mm -hmm. because this was the one where Alana, the security chief, uh, has a. Phobia about fire. So, all this weird mm-hmm. shit starts happening in the ship as if they're going through some sort of anomaly and it's all these nightmare scenarios. Again.
0: Yep. Done before. Uh, done
1: before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in this case, done very well. Yeah. And I remember being reminded of it as I was watching it and going, oh, yeah, that was a fun episode because they do a really good job of A, making, making you care about that character. Right. I desperately miss her. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, the the scenarios they put her in, and and they do a great job of, as the better episodes of The Next Generation that played with this do, of making you question what's real and what's not. And by the time you get to the resolution, you go, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. And I kind of figured it was something like that, but I wasn't sure. And I think that's yep. what the strength of an episode like that is. It reminds me of that episode of The Next Generation where everyone on the ship started disappearing except Beverly Crusher. Right. And by the time the episode was over, it's just her and Picard piloting the ship that like a thousand people should be on.
0: At the back of your head, you know this is gonna work out all right. It has to. But it's like what's happening? Right.
1: (laughs) And I think this is I think that's the where they got the idea for this episode, but they executed it very well. Again, Seth MacFarlane is not shy about saying this is basically his next generation. (laughs) Yeah. What did you guys think of that episode?
0: Uh I I remember bits and pieces of the episode. Um I it didn't it didn't make that great an impression on me as far as oh this is again one of my favorites right. but um Well as a horror just, movie
1: guy, I'm always fond of anything scary. One of my favorite right. early 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 next generation episodes is the one where the bugs were getting inside people and controlling their minds. Uh, it's the yes. closest that show ever got to full on gore. Right. And I loved it. It was dumb, it was cheesy. It's not even yeah. a better written episode than anything else they did, but and, I love that kind of stuff. And
0: it may be that may be the reason why it didn't make that much of it, because I'm I'm not really a horror guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, Tina, did you have any?
2: I liked that it. It was really the first episode that um, focused on Alara. Mm-hmm. So that that's definitely a big oh, thing. Oh, it's Alara. It's not la Did I say Alana? I I I don't yeah. know. Our little security chief with the red lipstick.
1: Yes. She's uh, adorable.
0: Her, yes. The actor is Halston Sage. The character is Alara Katan. Alara. Alara. Okay. Yeah. okay. What a fan
1: am I? Don't yeah. even remember what her name is. <laughs> well, now when we get into the next two episodes that we could talk about these kind of back to back. New dimensions and uh mad idolatry. The reason I think these episodes kind of work well together to close out that first season is mm. They're both very interesting concepts that I really Mm -hmm. hadn't seen done this way before. And I thought both of those episodes are real cool. Now, New Dimensions was the one where... They figure out, they find this ship that disappears and then reappears and they go on board and everybody on the ship is dead. And they Mm -hmm. figure out, this is the one where that, that guy we were talking about earlier becomes an engineer, chief engineer. Right. And the whole basis of the episode is that there's this anomaly that when you travel through it, you go from three dimensions to two dimensions. And Ah, they figure out a way to pilot the ship through it to get away from the krill. And that section is very cool Mm -hmm. visually. That's, I think the first time the show hit me is seeing something really different. Yes. Looked like they were. Kind of looked like they were going through a motherboard of a computer or something. Do you remember that? Yes. Really, really neat idea.
0: And that. That I feel was uh, a, a moment of originality yeah. that I will credit the show for. Absolutely, um, yeah. I, I had forgotten about that one. That one was uh, visually pretty. I, I mean, the, the effects and all. I've, in, I've really been solid, pretty, pretty, pretty solid. The fact that they they do have like an actual physical model mm-hmm. of the Orville that they shoot with, I think, is yeah. Kind of harkens again, harkens back to the
1: some of the best stuff is done simply. You know, talking about yeah. the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, one of my favorite effects that I learned that was done the simplest way afterwards is in that first movie when they when they dive bomb into Vulcan to stop the drill Mm -hmm. and you get all those great shots of them flying through the atmosphere in their astronaut suits. Do you know how that was accomplished? Uh, I do not. They had the actors in their suits standing on a circular mirror just looking up at the camera and J.J. Abrams is just shaking the camera because the sky (laughs) is being reflected in the mirror. Oh, wow. So They're just standing in a parking lot. Standing on this big mirror, just looking up at a camera. That's all it is.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: and the effect is great. And that's what I love about you know using models and things like that is it it's simple, but if done well, it just it brings you in so well to that universe because there's a there's a physicality to it that you can't get if everything's just cg um then that last episode is mad idolatry that's the one where they discover the planet that keeps disappearing and when it reappears hundreds of years have passed in their time yeah and they all end up worshiping kelly
0: oh yeah
1: that is a great concept and executed very well i think this is where the show's starting to find its feet yep and it was a great episode loved it Yes, what did you guys think
0: that was. Yeah, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, that was a great uh, again, uh, because Seth McFarland does talk about religion yes. and hypocrisy. I think that was a great kind of uh, microcosm. Yes. Of that.
1: And a very effective way and, uh, of doing it without talking down to religious people. Right. Like if you're a primitive society and this magical being transforms, you know, uh, it. it you know, it just comes out of the stars and and helps you out. It's kind of like, yeah, of course you would worship that person. Right. Because that's really what it is. You know, in the primitive days of religion, it's it's people not understanding how the natural world works and just kind of filling in the blanks themselves out of what they knew. Right. Which was not much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Evan. Hey, Jason Underwood. And if you're enjoying listening to the Lucky 10,000, then come on over to a podcast where nobody's ever getting lucky, ever.
0: Here on the Lucky 10,000, you're here to learn, but with the bearded ones, we're here to make you laugh. And and
1: maybe you'll learn something while you're laughing.
0: Yeah, learn something, like, about Batman. <laughs> I mean, for we were on a stint of Matlock for a while. It was funny to me.
1: The, hey, I mean, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, eh? that's not how you sell Come anything. Come on over listen to the Bearded Ones podcast, I guess. I yeah, mean, I, I like it.
0: I'd be a shit salesman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Come buy this car. I mean, I drove it once. I yeah, probably You probably wouldn't like yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to <laughs> you do it. You know what? Do. Do. You yeah, mean, fuck this. Don't <laughs> listen to Bearded Ones. Come on, check us out. Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast on the Bearded Pods Network.
0: I knew that. I didn't know that. Well, that's why we're here, listening to the Lucky 10,000. You learn something new with every episode. And while you're here at the Bearded Pods Network, you might want to come and give us some pod love. We're Teddy and the Bass Man. We cover all sorts of subjects, speak with tons of interesting guests, and entertain you with a melange of vintage commercials and jingles, and a whole plethora of eclectic music. You might even learn something from us as well. It'll probably be about bondage, but... Teddy
1: and the Basement.
0: Jaloha. Wow. Oh, is that, is, that, is that the one where uh, Bordas goes to oh, pee? Oh, no,
1: this was, this was the first episode of, of season two. That's right. Yes, as the Orville heads toward Machlus <laughs> for Bordas' special once-a-year ceremony, Ed discovers Kelly has moved on. Oh, uh, yes, this is where... Borders has s- to pee. Borders has to pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which should be the name of the episode. Yeah. Borders has to pee. And that I think is is a is a direct parody of that classic Star Trek episode where Spock has to have sex, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also, you know, it's just such a funny, the mocklins are so funny and not funny in that, you know, one of the criticisms I have of Worf is that he's always this big, tough guy who constantly gets his ass handed to him, but right. Bortus is that guy, but he's not necessarily the muscle. They just, he's such a great straight man for all this funny stuff going on around him. And I actually know someone who knows that actor. Uh, and I would love to get in touch with him because he uh, he plays
0: Bordis so well. He's going to be at Dragon Con this year. Really? Where's yes. Dragon Con this year? Uh, well, it's in Atlanta. Labor Day weekend. Uh, we'll we'll be there. We don't know if because we'll, there's so many people there that we'd like to see. Oh, we'll yeah. I get yeah, to yeah. meet him. But um, it, it, interesting thing about Bordis. Um, obviously, he's an obvious parallel to Wharf. Yes. Um, but more interesting, I think. Yeah, I hate he to is. say it he because is. I love Wharf. Wharf was a very uh two-dimensional yeah. one one-dimensional character um he developed and, well over the
1: the the length of the series and yeah, yeah, Bordis is kind of already here
0: and <laughs> and Bortus, they they kind of they 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 were poking fun at the character of Wharf mm. and kind of pointing out the the, the flaw mm-hmm. in in making him as one dimensional as they did mm-hmm. because I mean it's a it's a classic comedy device. Anytime you have a character that's on an extreme end of a scale yes. and you throw them out to the or you throw them to the other end, that's instant comedy. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter which end or which, you know, characteristic or emotion it is so and that's and that's Bordis in space. And I gotta it's be like, honest, I yeah. don't think
1: there's a gag they've done with him yet in that vein that I haven't loved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really know how to use him, but also give him depth. Yeah. He's a three-dimensional character. You feel for him a, a yes. lot of times. I get so pissed at Clyden sometimes watching that show. Oh my it god. It is like uh, uh uh the stereotype of the, you know, housewife back in the eighties who who got real
0: into her stories. I'm just like Borders, fucking break up with him. <laughs> you know? he, he reminds yeah. me of the, uh, like you're at, at the risk of getting uh, a little relevant here, Uh, the, the the Trump supporter that you have to see every Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's who Clyden reminds me who of. Who won't <laughs> not talk about it.
1: Right. Because I know people that are Trump supporters. We just don't talk about it. Right. Clyden's like, no, I have to talk about it all the time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and doesn't it? Except that you're not.
1: Yes. <laughs> like, Completely lacks empathy. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. But this is also where,
1: you know, the relationship stuff was starting to get old with me, but they still kind of made it funny and fresh. Because if I remember correctly, this is when Captain Mercer, who I, I like Seth MacFarlane as an actor. Mm-hmm. He has some habits that annoy the shit out of me. The way he breathes before he says everything kind of gets under my skin. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the fact that his face is so smooth, it almost doesn't look like a real human. It looks like a computer generated human.
2: Just but, close your eyes and yeah. you'll you'll see Brian Griffin. That will improve. Oh, that absolutely. For you. <laughs> yeah. but better. This
1: is the one where uh, Kelly starts dating someone and he kind of stalks her. And there was a funny moment I remember from this episode where he's he's got the shit the show close by and it zone. floats by in the window and that's when the humor to me works so organically because yeah. you know he's not over her and yeah I kind of got a little tired of it but the whole thing about just. The way that even because Picard would have never done something like that, Kirk right. would have never done something now. like that, and that's where I think the show kind of shines is having these people and having them be completely three dimensional. Because yes, he's a captain; he's a yeah. good captain. He cares about his crew, but he's still kind of a fuck up in other ways. And yeah. that's just a person.
0: <laughs> and none, none of these characters, and again to contrast it with with Star Trek, none of these characters are too cool for school. They yes. all have flaws. They're not again Picard because because Picard has dignity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whereas Captain Mercer is, yeah, a real person who smokes weed every now and, yeah. and then, apparently, so yeah. which is
1: great. It's like, great. Yeah.
2: Two
0: hundred, two hundred,
1: three hundred years from now, I would hope that nobody gives a shit about weed anymore, right? I really would, and I'm not even like a weed smoker. I, I mean, just, like,
2: ca- we know. Patrick Stewart does. Yes. So oh, yeah, no. that's the irony. Of it. Yeah. I think that's the
1: farm he's on in Picard. It's not a winery, <laughs> it's a weed distillery.
2: But you're not going to get hungover. That's like, very how true. How great is that?
1: Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. So this next one, Primal Urges. This is the one where Clyden, I think, stabs Bordis. As a way of divorcing him. Yeah. <laughs> and this is another thing that the show does pretty well by using the mock lens, just showing the sort of culture shock that you get into sometimes where it turns out that Bordas is... Kind of having an affair on Clyden, but he's using the holodeck. I know they don't call it the holodeck, but it's the holodeck. It's 25th century porn addiction. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which yeah. again, Star Trek Next Generation nearly didn't touch on nearly enough how many right. people would be using the holodeck to just do all kinds <laughs> of kinky shit. Yeah. And <laughs> the people, and all of them. And the Orville is like, yeah, of course that's what people would use it for. So, that's what we're going to show you. And yes. personally, I didn't want to see a bunch of Machlin men having an orgy,
0: but it was <laughs> hilarious. Yes, 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 it was. And that was uh, one of the episodes where they're they're trying to sort of introduce Dan as a recurring character. Yes, when it's played by Mike Henry. Yes, and. And it's it's just a simple it's just it was just a simple moment. But when they're trying to fix the holodeck because they're infected with Mm -hmm. that virus that that the porn program had Mm -hmm. uploaded in the system, you know, and the characters are trying to interact with them, he just turned around and smiles. Hi, I'm Dan. Just just that moment, just I I laughed out loud. He's very
1: funny. He's sad, but he's very funny. Yeah. Now we get now we do start to get into sort of the the sad departure. And it's so funny that this show parallels Next Generation, even in the cast leaving. Because Mm -hmm. when Laura left the show, all I could think of was Tasha Yar, the tough security chief, female, really breaking a mold, then just fucks off and leaves the show.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Coincidence, I think.
1: Coincidence, yes. I'm not saying Seth MacFarlane did that on purpose. He's like, hey, I'm going to hire you to play this character that leaves just because Denise Crosby did it.
0: (laughs) I mean, I... I, I don't like you know TMZ style journalism, but here's where you and I might be able to exchange some notes. Okay, because we had and, and talked about on our show that it was kind of an unofficial channel that maybe Seth and Halston Sage were dating. Oh, I didn't and, hear that. Uh, and I'm I would not be surprised if be that surprised. were true. If that were true, that this is a result of either that going well or not well,
1: <laughs> or that wouldn't the show. shock me. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me because I, I don't think Seth MacFarlane is a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, it seems like every time he works with people, they're they're just chomping at the bit to work with him again. You know, Shirley's mm-hmm. there on and he are still friends and she seems like a kind of take no shit. Like if you're an asshole, I'm not going to like you type person. Right. But I do think he has some issues with relationships. And this is the show. This is the series that as we get towards the end of the second season and we'll get into detail, more detail about that later, mm-hmm. I kind of got tired of the Mercer as a victim role in yeah. relationships. Because it's always he yeah, yeah, he talks about some of the oh, I worked too much. Yeah. Oh, I'm so good at my job that it hurt my marriage. It's not mm. really that much of a fuck you. Whereas Kelly is always portrayed as this sort of, you know, every time they get into the she's a strong female character, but every time they start talking about their relationship, it always yeah. seems to knock her down a peg or two, and it always puts him right in the victim spot. Now, as a person who has been cheated on, it sucks. Yeah. But there's a reason there's a buildup that that sort of thing happens, and right. and that that's the the minor thing in season two that started to bug me a
0: little yeah. bit. If we if we get to a point where we talk about where Orville needs to go or where Orville should go, uh, there are lots of things that I feel like need to happen if Orville is to continue to be successful. I absolutely agree. And one of those things is they have to again they have to let go of that that they can't keep going back to that well of Mercer and Kelly. Yes, They have to put it. And that's
1: my biggest complaint. When we get to the finale of season two, that's going to be my biggest complaint that we get into. But moving on, this is where they go to Alara's home for the first time and you get to see her family dynamic. You get to see how they treat her, how they sort of look down at her for being in the union, how put upon Mm -hmm. she is. And I really felt for her in that episode. What did you guys think?
0: Oh my gosh. That was a great
2: episode. It is a great episode. It doesn't hurt that. Her dad is Robert Yeah. Roberto, That's yeah. nice, <laughs> but um, it's sort of a classic science fiction dynamic where you know the the person that we admire in their culture is yes. not thought well, but it of. also
1: explains why she's so driven. Yes, yes, you know why she does her job so well and why she's so dedicated to it.
0: And I. I uh, there you know, and it wasn't a particular issue for me, but I can see how that episode can be kind of triggery with people mm-hmm. with family issues, yeah, um, and I again, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed seeing Robert Ricardo. I want mm-hmm. to say there was another Star Trek alumnus that was in there. His wife was um, played
1: by a woman who I think has been on the next generation before, but not in a big right capacity.
0: Um, but and and I think one of the things that you Tina had pointed out on our show about that particular episode was um, like the intellectual elitism,
2: yes, of that mm, yeah.
1: culture, very yeah. much. And it's sort of the opposite of the criticism of the Machlins, and that now you kind of get a nice little inside poke at the sort of idea of liberal elitism a little bit. It's like, you are too good for this job. That's the stereotype of a liberal elite, is we wouldn't lower ourselves to sort of this blue-collar type job, which is, you know, security enforcer on a ship should be a very honorable thing. And they just kind of brush it aside. right?
2: Even Star Trek, like, you have the little kids on Next Generation doing calculus before they're even... Developmentally yes. ready for calculus. <laughs> yeah, like it's such bullshit. Yeah, that you have, like you have to st- take a step back and say, like. N- a, not everyone's capable of it, right. and B, like someone has to clean the toilets. Yeah.
1: And... yeah, yeah. You never saw anybody with a plunger in the next generation. You got to yeah. imagine that happened, yeah. especially with Worf. I don't know how many times the plumber had to be called into Worf's yeah, room. Yeah, prune
2: juice and like, gawk, like you're gonna have problems. It
1: happened again.
0: Yeah. anytime uh, you hear the term waste extraction on one of those uh, Star Trek yeah. shows, that's exactly what they're referring to. Yeah, the.
1: I yeah, just just say plumber. Yep. <laughs> we, we still call it a plumber a few hundred years from now. Um, but yeah, that was a really great episode. The next one uh, I did enjoy. Nothing left on Earth excepting fishes, and I think that's the one where Mercer and the Krill, who had sort of made him think that she was in love with him, get trapped on on a, a planet and try to survive.
0: Yes, or are they? It, was it? Was it? It was a hostage exchange because they were letting her go, weren't they?
1: Yes. And yeah. they crash landed on the planet and she, yeah. ca- and this was one of the ones where I thought it kind of played to Seth McFarland's strengths as far as writing relationships is concerned, because their mm-hmm. dynamic was actually, I thought really interesting.
0: I, I don't, should, should, should I mention the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the dialogue we had with a, with a co-host of ours, because one of our, one of our co-hosts um, at the time was, he, he, he has, he was completely anti Orville. It's like, it's, it's it's weak, it's derivative, and blah 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 blah. And that was one of the episodes he watched with us here in you know, okay. after a recording session. And he was like, Yeah, those those emotional moments were completely unearned. I and don't I'm know like, if I agree with that. I don't agree with it at all. Um yeah, and it might it doesn't you know it helps that I'm a fan of Billy Joel music, Yeah. but <laughs> I, I felt like yeah there there was there was some believability to that. I thought to so that too, dynamic. especially yeah. since
1: their history is she'd already gotten to know him. Yeah. It wasn't like they were just thrown on this planet and didn't know each other already. Right. You, you know she had to sort of woo him. So, of course, there's going to be a little spark of something there in order for that to even work. So, it never felt unearned or rushed to me, but that's probably because your friend hadn't seen the previous episodes when she was, you know, in the process of wooing him Uh, for negative purposes, yes. But you could even tell in that episode when he and Gordon were on the ship that there was a little something there between them still. Yeah. So, we've all
2: been there with a relationship that goes bad. And then you wonder, (laughs) like, okay was where did the bad intent come yes. in?
1: And even when you are in a relationship that goes bad, you run into that person a year from now and you don't want to get back with them, but you have to admit to yourself there was a reason we got together in the first place, and that right. is still there a little. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. nearly enough, but just a little. Yeah. It's a seed. So, yeah, I, I really like that episode. That um, I think season two overall is just so solid to me. I feel like we yeah. really found their footing. The humor didn't feel as out of place. It felt very character motivated. The relationship stuff did get a little tiring. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into why that's the case in a, in a minute. Yeah. But the next one is uh, Happy Refrain. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The next one is All the World is Birthday Cake. Orville makes first contact with a new crew member, joins the ship. I think this was uh, Putty. From uh, uh, Seinfeld, and he was the guy with the tusk that went into his stomach. Patrick
2: oh, Warburton. Warburton.
1: Yeah, I heard a lot of people complain about that character. I thought he was hilarious. Yeah. I don't know if I would have wanted him to be. I don't know if I would have wanted him to
0: to see him more than I did. Uh, agreed. I wasn't sure that he would. He would do good things for the show if he had stayed. Right, but f- he was pretty funny while he was I there. He was hilarious. He made me laugh out
1: loud alone yeah. in a room, as I usually am. But yeah, that, that I don't remember anything else about that episode other than just yeah, he was hilarious. Yep. Um, the now, next, th- oh sorry,
0: was that the one where there was uh, somebody uh, they thought was murdered, but they faked their death? Was that was that that episode? If
1: that's that episode, that was an. Ama- again amazing use of the Machlins yep. and their culture yep uh that might have been if if we'll get back to it if we can figure out if that's what yep. it was the next one was a happy refrain the orville crew is surprised when claire's personal life takes an unexpected turn i think this was where she and isaac started dating yep and i didn't see it coming i didn't expect it to last but i kind of rooted for them
2: did root for like her enjoyment of it. Yeah. I think ultimately my problem is don't bring the kids in. Yeah. Like the,
1: <sighs> I can see what you're saying, but by my only digression from that is if you have a, if you become seriously involved with someone, even if it seems weird, and I think this is, you know, again, the Orville statement about any relationship is a good relationship as long as people are considering adults and love each other, even though Isaac's incapable of love. But right. um, I, I didn't I wasn't bothered by that simply because any adult with children is going to have to do that at some point. If you're in a serious relationship with someone at some point, you got to yeah. you got to tell the kids and, yep. and the kids will get attached to them, whether you want them to or not.
2: I guess it's the difference between like. Tasha Yar hooked up with data. Yes. And then that one girl later on who was like, data yes. is my boyfriend. Yeah. And like, it didn't work out. Data is not your boyfriend. No.
1: <laughs> he doesn't get it. That's yeah. my favorite thing about that episode of the next generation was when she quote unquote broke up with him and his reaction was just like, Oh, okay. I'll just delete the program then.
0: Well, okay. As far as Isaac and the doctor. Okay. I was, you know, I was kind of like, okay, I I, I predicted it was coming. There was a part of me that was hoping I was wrong. Okay, here we are. And I saw the episode, and of course, I was like, hey, I called it. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't sure where they were going with it yet. Um, Looking back on it, having seen the rest of season two, if they were already, if they already knew where they were going with Isaac, I'd be willing to bet they did. And I, I agree. They probably did. Um, that makes it a more interesting choice. Yes, I totally agree. Uh, but in the moment where you don't know that. Oh, it it's was like, definitely mm, odd. Yeah. Especially when they <laughs> kissed. Because yeah. I'm like
1: he doesn't have a face, <laughs> but
0: but I grew, he does have guns in his head. Apparently, that's true.
1: I grew to really like that, especially when they started going into the the holiday. I'm just going to call it the holodeck. Yeah. The holodeck, and you got to see him as a person, and yep. you know apparently mm-hmm. really good in bed. So good for Claire. Yep. She's getting all kinds of lucky on this show. Yeah. With, with the oddest assortment of things, but still, I mean, hey, I and more power to her. She's single mom. She needs to get hers. Uh, This next episode is the one I think we were just talking about, Deflections, mm-hmm. where a renowned engineer joins the Orville, but he has a shameful secret. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful episode. I loved yes. it. Because mm-hmm. I honestly thought, and this was another trip back into sort of the mocklin sort of alt-right, but then Bordas being somewhere in the middle. And that's why you like Bordas, is he's putting everything on the line to protect his friend. And it reverses... The homophobia stereotype, because this Machlin engineer likes women, yeah, and now is an outcast in a society of all men. Beautiful episode,
0: I thought. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and, I don't know. I was I was tempted. All along to you know why is it always the the Mocklins who are the whipping yeah. boy for this cultural stuff? But yeah, it, it, in isolation, certainly a, a good episode. Mm-hmm. I just wish it wasn't always. There was a why? run
1: where it seemed like every episode was either about yeah. dating or Mocklins or
0: assholes. And well, and, and of course, the obvious thing is okay. This is this is the 25th century. This is evolved society. Right. all this shit is going to come to a head. It's going to have to. And lo right. and behold, later in the season. It did. And I got to admit, every time they had a mocklin plot line, I
1: just kind of yeah. went, ugh. And then by the end of the episode, I went, nope, I'm in. You guys got me. Yeah. Uh, they they know how to keep it interesting and yeah. keep and add layers to it. And it wasn't even the
0: last one for that season, too. Th-
1: the fascinating thing to me about season two <laughs> is everything that could have been a
2: season finale
1: wasn't a season finale. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Uh, what did you think of that episode, Tina?
2: I really enjoyed it. It feels like they have just the right touch with the social commentary. Sometimes
1: it's a little heavy handed. Sometimes they beat you over the head with it. But I really and again, I love the fact that it didn't end well for that mm-hmm. character, because yep. that's just the way life works. Yeah. You're, yep. not gonna, you're not going to you're not going to go into a culture like this, have a speech about the Declaration of Independence. And all of a sudden, everyone's going to go. You're right. Hooray. You yep. The the guy's life was probably miserable after that. I mean, yep. if
2: you're Captain Kirk, it works. But yeah, absolutely. If- you're not Captain Kirk.
1: Well, they just want you to get through the speech. They're like, yes, we'll change our culture. Just stop talking. But yeah, I thought that was a beautiful episode. Um, then we get into what in any other series would have been the season finale was identity part one and two, where you find out that Isaac's part of a race who is basically sort of the cute Borg. Yep. <laughs> you know, and, and the whole time I remember watching it and then the first season thinking Isaac is kind of just a cheap one of the lesser suits of the whole show because he is literally just a dude wearing a suit his his chest piece is even kind of flimsy and hangs off of him yeah and then all of a sudden they're kind of terrifying yeah that's a great two-parter what did you guys think of it
0: that was that was one where i kept i kept waiting for this to get undone somehow and it never did yes So it's like, okay, stakes are high and shit is real now. Uh, where they're invading the Orville and they're literally shooting them dead in the corridors. I'm like, wow. And (laughs) you also
1: got the feeling that this was, that a lot of these episodes up until this point had been, for the most part, very sort of character driven and Mm -hmm. on the Orville or on a planet. And I think they're just saving their budget for these two like action-packed episodes to get really yep. into the effects and stuff. Tina, did you enjoy those episodes?
2: I really enjoyed it. My one question that they may never answer, why are they humanoid-shaped robots? Yeah. that like <laughs> I never thought about I it that way. I hope that they do provide an yeah. answer. Oh, wait
0: a minute. They did. I remember that. Weren't their creators humanoid? Were, yeah, they were created by humanoids, oh, and okay. then they overthrew their yeah.
1: creators.
2: Okay. But I, uh, yeah, I, that it's never. Still like,
1: I don't know. No, I get what you're saying, but also I just thought it was interesting that, that, cause Isaac is very, he's the data of the show, so he's right. very lovable up until this point. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you, I really thought that Isaac was, was, was done. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, you know, you've got the, the act three, one little thing where it makes him change his mind, but for the most part, he was very remorseless. Right. Up until that turn. And uh, so, it's a two-episode arc where you find out that these robots are just waiting to destroy humanity and every other living species they can. It's not even the Borg. They don't want to assimilate them. They just think the universe would be better off without fallible living organisms, which, again, is a tried-and-true, you know, old, like, I'm a robot and I'm perfect. I'm Ultron and all this other shit. But ex- executed, I thought, really well.
0: This, this, These two episodes added depth, much-needed depth, to the universe at large. Yes, um, because that is one of the things that I still think is a weakness of the show. The, the universe still feels shallow. Yeah, And I also think, as a criticism, I think they redeemed Isaac far too quickly. Uh, I think they could have stretched that out another my season. My
1: criticisms fall in line very much with that. Not mm-hmm. in these episodes, per se. But right. going forward, it's just kind of never addressed again. At Isaac, personally that yeah. He had a hand in killing a large percentage of the crew, Yeah. and just because he saved them at the last minute, they still had this massive space battle where Union ships and Krill ships, and thousands of people died, and yep. they're just like, "Oh, Isaac." It reminds me of the, have yeah. some trust issues. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of the end of X Men Apocalypse when Magneto kills God. I don't know a couple hundred thousand people because yep. he's using his metal by lifting up you know most of the Earth, mm-hmm. and at the end of the movie, they're just, "Oh, you." Yeah. You you changed your mind at the last minute, buddy. So go on, do your yeah. thing. And I'm like that. <laughs> yeah. At some point you gotta go, hey Isaac, um, thanks for not killing all of us. But you killed most of us, and you're a robot. So I think we can do without you from now on. I mean
0: at least keep him disassembled <laughs> yeah, or something. Seriously.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that that kind of got to me too. I think yeah. they like that character so much. But also if you notice, after those two episodes, he's not in it much at all. You yeah. know he's there. But maybe the writers were having a problem figuring out how to use him after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, I would have. I mean, yeah. again, I would think narratively the thing to do would be to separate him, mm-hmm. and of, and of course at that point you have him as a, as a go to for future plots and seasons right. if you want to. Eh, I don't know. Or I, I, in those yeah. two
1: episodes, show him more separated from the other robots. And and regretting what he's doing and and really trying to save the crew the whole time that he's really you know he's doing this against right. his will well that never seemed the case until the kids changed his mind it's a great right. arc for those episodes mm-hmm. but the smart thing is like you said either get
0: him out get him away and use him periodically mm-hmm. or just get rid of him I mean betrayal betrayal is a very uh, is a very good plot device yes. it is yeah uh, but I, it's I, tough I'm when not you sure. want
1: to keep the character on the show and keep yeah. him lovable
0: yeah. <laughs> um uh, because you know especially having the kids the kids having bonded with Isaac yeah I, I i get that that's that's how they brought him back again i just felt like it was just it was too soon
1: yeah. way too uh, soon uh, my my complaints like i say yeah. happen more after the fact after yeah. all this is done now that we know there's this robot race out there who like the borg are very dangerous and can come back at any time and whip our ass we're still going to keep this guy who betrayed us just because at the last yeah. minute he turned.
0: Well, and and they're also trying to turn everything on its ear like, "Oh, you thought that, you know, the Krill were going to be the bad guys right. and here's the um, Which was
1: great. Great plot devices.
0: The, the Kalon—that's who I'm yeah. trying to think of. You know, they're are our friends, and no, it's actually the other way around.
1: Right. And that's a great step forward in making peace with the Krill. So maybe they're not yep. sort of the overarching, you know, Klingons or Romulans or whatever. So I liked all of that. I think yep. that's what season two strengths were: setting things up that you thought would be resolved in a certain way, and they weren't. Yep. Until you get to the finale, which we'll talk about when we get there. Yeah. But um, yeah. Any more thoughts on that one, Tina?
2: pretty much am, am right there with you guys. Um, I wouldn't trust him. No. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> uh,
1: let's see. Blood of Patriots is the next one. We're getting towards the end of season two and the close of this episode. Uh, Ed must initiate peace talks with the Krill, but two unexpected guests risk everything. I'm kind of blanking on this one. I thought
0: I knew season two way way better than season one. I've, is this the one where they were trying to smuggle the Mocklin child out? I think it might have been. Yes.
1: Oh no, no, that's not that one. Well, obviously we don't know much about this episode, so let's move on.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I, okay, I sort of remember it now. Okay, there was, uh, uh, I ba- vaguely remembering it was. Uh, they uh, had the a krill on the ship. Was Ray? Yeah, she was supposedly a prisoner of the krill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: obviously, decent episode. Didn't make that didn't much make of an impression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on. Yeah. I think it was just sort of you know the un- the uh, uh oh God the. Undiscovered Country. Yeah. The Undiscovered (laughs) Country episode. Uh, Let's see. Lasting impressions. The crew of the Orville... Oh, this I loved. This episode is one of my favorites of the series. It's when they open the time capsule and Gordon starts dating the chick from 2015 in the holodeck.
2: That was really good. Yeah.
1: Again, well-worn idea. We all remember when Jordy fell in love with the hologram chick. But this mm-hmm. is what I think the show's strength is, is. Starting out with an idea you think you've seen before and then doing something really clever with it. My favorite part of that whole episode is that he kept the program running and figured out how to talk to her on his cell phone from his workstation. And she's not even a real person, but they have this relationship. You,
0: you know which one we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I thought that was so clever. It It is. And it it, it was also very thought-provoking in yes. how... How far are we really from that being able to do that? Yes. Have a completely virtual relationship. I mean,
1: you can't tell me there's not somebody right now that doesn't consider Siri his wife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be there. He's got to be out there. But it was so organic and it made so much sense. You know, he replicates a cell phone from her era, mm-hmm. so he doesn't shut down the program. So she's literally living this whole life and he's at work sending her like cutesy texts and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And just like, I love that concept and the way it was executed and his performance Was great. You know, the kid from critters, (laughs) given this phenomenal, you know, really broken, sad, but kind of redeems himself by the end of it. And also, again, calls into question the nature of relationships in general. If it's okay for Claire to date Isaac, why is it weird for him to date a computer program? Right. When everybody kind of freaks out about it. Just
0: really, really well done. Yeah. Kind of have to question everything. Yeah. You know, if if you yeah, if if this, then why not that? Yeah. This is at the point where yeah. I just started
1: loving everything the show was doing. This is when mm-hmm. I went from liking the show to falling in love with the show. All right. And these next couple of episodes didn't let me down. Um did you want to say anything
2: else about that episode, Dana? No, I, I, I mean I really enjoyed how they they took those AI questions that mm-hmm. we started with data and had in the doc. With the doctor Mm -hmm. in Next Generation. Mm -hmm. And like, we're not too far. We're not too
1: far off. We're really not. Um, Let's see. Sanctuary is the next one. When this is the one with the two Moklins bringing the child onto the ship. Again, Mm -hmm. I thought I was getting tired of the commentary of the Machlins. And -hmm. then this episode just comes along and you go, no, they still know what they're doing with these characters. Yeah this is the whole
0: this whole mocklin thing is a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it
1: it definitely is but not from a narrative standpoint. They they keep right. finding a new way to explore this culture. Right. And right. it's it's always interesting to me.
0: Yeah, that uh, again when I when I was saying, you know, if 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 the if we're going to have so much problems with the Mocklins, this is going to ha- realistically you would come to a head. and right. it did. This is the episode where it did yeah, where there almost was a, goes to war. Yeah.
1: Which is which is again a great sort of parallel of what can happen because in this day and age of people trying to be as accepting as possible, you look at other cultures and you want to do the PC thing and not make fun of this person's religion, but then you see the awful things that this religion is doing, and if you criticize that, then you get ripped apart, and it's just sort of how do you handle this intense... Cultural divide. It's it, in the old Star Trek. Again, it would have been just a Kirk speech, and everybody would have been fine. But that just isn't the way the world works, right? And now you've got these people who you have this uneasy treaty with, who you think are kind of barbaric, and they think just the same of you. Again, it's not new territory. It just is handled really well. I thought
0: it's it's one of those again, good job uh, of the Orville touching on relevant social issues. Right. One of those that I, I wish. More people invested interest and thought mm-hmm. in, uh, in terms of an audience. Well, I guess that's part and of the
1: reason too that I feel like this show is more Star Trek than just about any other Star Trek that's out there right now. Not that we were talking before; I haven't right. seen Discovery, so I could be completely wrong about that. But it just seems that a lot of it has simply veered towards action. You know, we can talk about it briefly before we wrap this up because there are only two episodes left of the Orville, yeah. but. You know, one of my complaints about the Picard trailer, and if any of you guys out there are fans of Red Letter Media, it's going to sound like I'm just parroting them. But I had this thought before I watched their most recent episode, is that most of it looked all right until you got to the these action set pieces. And I went, oh, please don't just make this an action thing. We've got yep. enough of that. <laughs> yep. Make it a character drama, you know? Mm-hmm. If you just have that one action sequence of the chick kicking those dudes, and then that's just to get people interested in it, but then you do the stuff with the characters that we want to see, I'll be fine with it. But if it turns into
0: J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, I'm not going to enjoy it. Well, the CBS has had you know some issues with Star Trek fans, mm-hmm. and this this does actually tie into Orville, um, this, particularly the ratings for season two. And I want to I want to get on touch on that, please, fr- down the road. Um, Star Trek has changed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it hasn't. As it should. Uh, it's, it's you less, know, the, the original it's,
1: series changed to get to the next generation.
0: Right. And I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's gone more towards action. It's more they've they've gone to uh, season story arcs instead of episodic mm-hmm. presentation. Right. So it's more like you're in a novel. Right. Than uh, a, a, a scene for scene well, see, I action. I think the strength of the Orville,
1: though, is they kind of do both. Yeah. They have yeah. episodic yeah. episodes, but there is an overarching yeah. theme or there's an overarching story you know, that kind of goes along with it, with the next generation at its best. You know, the overarching theme was the Borg and they're coming to Earth, but then they still were able to do episodic things. Yeah. And and I think if you're gonna have an ensemble piece, that's a really good way to do it so you can focus on different characters and their different mm-hmm. you know, storylines and, and just cute little things like, like Clyden and Bordis becoming addicted to cigarettes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Or, yeah. or Bortus' mustache, which we haven't even talked about.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Ensign uh, Tilly serves that uh, function on Star Trek Discovery. For oh, the yeah? Boys. Yeah, she's, she's she's adorable. Mary Wiseman. Anyway, She's okay. super adorable. But um, season two uh, fell off ratings-wise. Season two of Discovery of, of, or of, season two of The Orville? Of The Orville. Oh, really? It fell off ratings-wise in a big way. Oh, no. Um, well, they have said that season three is coming, but it's going straight, straight to Hulu. Straight to Hulu, and I think that had something to do with it. Um. And I have I have theories on it and again I'm I'm not on the inside so yeah. take anything that I say or think with a, an obvious grain believe of salt believe it or not
1: audience the three people living in Greenville South Carolina that have no connections to the to the entertainment industry don't have any inside scoop for you Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah the, the, the Greenville geekery is in no way representative of yeah, yeah. Hollywood or Fox or anything uh, again Orville being somebody that's involved in the Star Trek fandom that I was touching on at the very beginning, the Orville got a lot of uh, hate watch mm-hmm. ratings from the angry Star Trek fans.
1: Interesting. Uh, so I was under the impression that Star Trek fans loved it.
0: Some of them did. Uh, a lot of them did. And, and again, I'm not saying this to take away from the Orville. The Orville... Right. Uh did a good job. Uh still has some work to do, but it's a good show. Mm-hmm. It really is. It can it can stand it can stand on its own. But I feel like they season 2 of The Orville is much is so much better as it was than the first mm-hmm. ep- the first season. And I, I completely agree with you on that. The ratings went down and I have to wonder because season 2 of Discovery was really solid. Okay. It is, yeah. A lot of people are liking season two of Discovery. I'm wondering, is it, are are its ratings kind of
1: par- like in the in the opposite direction of the Orville?
0: Well, Discovery always had decent mm-hmm. ratings. I mean, Discovery's already got a season three on the mm-hmm. way. Um, I just wonder if there wasn't as much of the of the hate watching because because it's officially Star Trek, because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of the haters in the Star Trek fandom were like, you know, well, this is Seth you know Seth MacFarlane made the better Star Trek i, I take I take great issue with that statement. Um, Seth MacFarlane made a great show. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree that he made the better Star Trek. Well,
1: I'll need to watch Discovery <laughs> and see if I feel that way because that's the impression I got from hearing people talk about it, and to me, and I'm only comparing it to the current iteration of Star mm-hmm. Trek in the movies. Right, but when I watch the Orville, I feel like I'm watching a better version of Star Trek than the movies, and I don't hate mm-hmm. the movies. Right, I'm close to hating Into Darkness, but I don't hate the movies. <laughs> uh, but it's it, they're movies, so they can't spend as much time with the characters. That's one of the reasons yep. I don't like Into Darkness. Is not that they did the whole Khan thing. Mm. It's that they did it too soon. Because yeah. when when I still cry when I watch Spock die at the end of the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, and. Especially now that Leonard Nimoy is actually gone. And I think the reason was, as a kid, we watched the the reruns of Star Trek. Then we watched the movies. We had decades with these actors playing these characters. And to expect people to have the same emotional attachment. When you've seen these two versions of that character, of those characters, in one and a half movies, by the time you get to the big emotional punch of Into Darkness, Mm -hmm. that was so predictable you're asking way too much of your audience. That's right. my biggest problem with that movie is not just that they sort of that every Star Trek movie since the Wrath of Khan has been the Wrath of Khan. Right. <laughs> Nemesis was the Wrath of Khan. Uh, they've all, you know, the bad guy with a huge weapon that wants revenge and there's a bunch of action. But it's that. There was no weight to what happened because you weren't used to these characters yet. You were just introduced to them. It's the same problem with the Justice League deciding they want to kill Superman at the end of Batman v. Superman. Right. I've barely seen this Superman. Right. And now I'm
0: supposed to care that he's dead. 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 Yep. It was, I I believe, Into Darkness was meant to be a tribute and it ended up cheapening yes cheapening it and and don't get me started on having to fight off the star trek fans of think of of, uh, who accused jj of doing that deliberately no he didn't no okay no
1: no no, not at all (laughs) he thought he was giving the fans what they wanted yeah
2: beyond was actually a better movie i agree i think they could have just not done the other two yeah, you're probably right.
1: Because, it, you know, I mean, I do like the first Star Trek. It, it's a lot of fun. I've seen it, it more than the others. It's just not really Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um right. But and Into Darkness has its moments, but there's just it was too much for me. But yeah. then from uh, from beyond uh, Star Trek beyond was, you know much more based in characters, but they still had the villain that wanted revenge, and there was the big action sequence at the end. And I'm I'm like, you know what the most popular Star Trek movie up to this point has been is the fucking one with the whales. (laughs) There's barely an action sequence in that whole movie. There's
2: not really a villain. No. No.
0: Whales are the villain
1: and the hero. I don't fucking know. uh, So, yeah. uh,
0: We had had one one of our contributors uh, suggested that 1986 is the villain in that movie. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and that's that's a good point. That's a good antagonist, actually. (laughs) (laughs) The 80s have become a great antagonist for everything. Um, But yeah, back to the Orville. I I, I see what you're saying. I need to check out Discovery so I can have an opinion on it. But um, this, to me, I love it so much because it's like I'm rewatching The Next Generation, just a slightly different version. And I'm fine with that, especially since he didn't try to hide it. If he tried to be like, oh, no, like you said, "Oh no, there's nothing like Next Generation. we've, We've got a robot guy. And a guy with a big brown thing on his head that's really tough. Nothing like The Next Generation. I'm like, it's exactly The Next Generation. And the last two episodes are... The next to last episode is one of my favorites in the whole series up to this point. And I think the reason is I thought they were going to do something really, really different. And I was very excited by that. Because up to Mm -hmm. this point, they had... This is the one where they accidentally bring Kelly's younger version onto the ship. Gotcha. And Seth McFarlane starts to date her, which why not? The current Kelly doesn't want anything to do with you, or at least she says she doesn't. Like obviously yep. she's attracted again, but rightly so, she's worried that would cause some problems if the captain and the first officer of the ship were dating. Right. Um and her younger self comes on board and they start kind of day and I love the the commentary on age. There's a scene where they go to like a club on the holodeck and the young Kelly is having a blast and Captain Mercer's just like fuck this music is loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happens and he realizes, you know, you can't go back. Yeah. He has to break up with the younger Kelly. And But the thing that excited me was that they figure out a way to send this person back in time to the morning she decided she wanted to date Captain Mercer, mm. and she decides not to, and that's how the yeah. episode ended. I was so excited by that, because I thought, oh, this is Seth MacFarlane's way of saying, okay, we're done with all the relationship bullshit, and the future's going to be different, and we're going to keep it that way. Yeah. That's what I thought was going to happen. What were you guys' impressions of that episode?
0: Um, that was, that was a, a good, uh, cliffhanger to end. It was on. was great. Um, yeah. be- because you, you were left with that. What does this mean? Yeah. Where, where, where's what's going to happen here? And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I liked, I, I liked that choice and, and, and being, I, I mean, all sci all sci-fi is going to dick around with time travel. Stories, yeah, of course. Okay? And I love it. I love time travel um, and all the, you know, and all the tropes that, go with it and but i i enjoyed this um it was a great uh character experiment mm-hmm. um and again good good cliffhanger to uh, yeah. to end that one on tina your thoughts it
2: makes me deeply uncomfortable that yeah. they didn't just like put her in a white room like they would on quantum leap with the person oh that, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> i'm just like you don't do that yeah. you don't fuck around with the past but of course What they do is really interesting and, you know, better storytelling. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so at this point, like I said, I'm thinking, okay, maybe the writers have gotten tired of dealing with the whole will they, won't they, they probably shouldn't aspect of this relationship. So what I thought was going to happen was that the last episode would be a slightly different future where the only real difference was that they were working together, but they'd never had this romantic past. Unfortunately, that is not what happened. They, they, they went, went the post-apocalyptic they route. They went the post-apocalyptic route, which is a little... <laughs> we've seen it enough. Yeah. And also... This is where I think Seth MacFarlane's ego does enter a little into this, because I don't think he wrote this episode. But the whole point of this episode is that if he doesn't get together with this hot chick and bone her, the fate of the universe (laughs) completely (laughs) falls. The universe is in shambles because he didn't bone this really hot chick. Well, I'm sure (laughs) Seth MacFarlane sees it that way. I'm sure he does. (laughs) But that's what bothered me the most about it is everyone's like, when they realize what's going on, they're like, you got to save the universe. You two have to date and get married. And I'm like, what? No, just <laughs> don't do the things that you did that led to this point. If you know you can do this now and time travel, just go, hey, let's not hook up with these evil Android aliens. But if we do, here's how to stop them, because I know all this stuff now. Yeah. But instead, I mean, I think they did a memory wipe or something on her. They so tried they, the they memory just, wipe and it didn't And take. it didn't work, but I think the second yeah. time it did. It did. So yeah. things do continue the way they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But just the idea. And I love like, seeing Alara come back. Even for a minute, you know, the action sequences were really good, but just the idea that this whole thing is culminated in if these guys don't date the universe ends like, come on, (laughs) You, you had me in the palm of your hand, Orville. You had yeah. me, and I was so disappointed, but it's just, it's a fine episode, but yeah. the overall thing of we're still talking about relationships, and there's a Sam and Diane well, they won't they, but the added bonus is if they don't, we all die, and the but- yeah, the butterfly effect,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that annoyed me. How did you guys feel about it? uh. I was I was okay with with the with the choice they went. cuz I figured that there there had to be some consequence. Yeah. And it had to be enough of a consequence to to make something of it. Right. Um I hadn't really thought about it in the terms you just described, um, so I'm kind of rethinking how I feel about that episode now. It <laughs> um, literally
1: is. Hey, Seth, get married to I this mean, really hot girl,
0: or we all get destroyed by robots. I, I don't. I don't often throw around the term lazy writing, yeah. because you know there are fleeting moments I aspire to write myself, mm-hmm. and it's not easy. It's not easy. And sometimes you have to work within a framework, mm-hmm. and there's lots of, there are lots of considerations. So I, I, I don't want to say it was quote unquote lazy writing to do the post apocalyptic thing, mm-hmm. but it does. It, it is it is consistent with some of the narrative choices the show has made. Oh, Absolutely. But I guess my um, disappointment was season two up to this point had done such a good job
1: of doing something derivative yeah. and putting a nice spin on it that you didn't see coming. That yeah. That's what I was sort of expecting that for them to yeah. continue that. But instead, they did the post-apocalyptic thing where then you go back in time and fix everything and everything's back to normal. And yeah. that I was not satisfied with, I'll be honest. Yeah. What did you think of it, Tina?
2: I guess it's understandable that they want to continue the way they had. Um, It was not the most interesting choice. And certainly, I don't think any one relationship is that much of a catastrophe right, right? like yeah. and i mean yeah. Yeah. logic is
1: sound you know. that they work really well together and because they work really well together they were able to subvert this thing
0: which they did yeah to quote q from next generation you're not that important Yes, thank
1: <laughs> yes. You. and i think that's a great way to end the
0: conversation yeah. in general
1: but um anything generally you guys want to say about the show it, it has become one of my favorites even though i i have quibbles mm-hmm. with it which is just normal. No show is going to be exactly what you want. And I often wonder if my quibbles are, I'm only upset because they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, it was still a good choice. It just wasn't what I would have done. There That's may be some truth to that, too.
2: I mean, not just about fictional things. I that's pretty much my view of life. Right. <laughs> I'm only upset cuz people don't do what I what want, you them want them to right. do. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, to I mean to to sum it up, uh yes, I I am a fan of The Orville. I love the show. I'm invested in these characters. I'm glad The Orville is there. Me too. Uh so that so that us geeks and nerds do have some some variety in what we're seeing and yes, it is a nice uh, love letter to next generation which again is kind of both a good and bad thing. Sure. Uh the things uh that I think the Orville needs to do. Uh we definitely need more depth in the universe at large, mm-hmm. like I was referring to earlier because again the universe like who is the galactic union and what is what is what is this world that we're in? I need to know more about that. And that's a fair point. And it, I it, it's a, a, a controversial thing to say to Orville fans, but we have got to start letting go of the the similarities to Star Trek. It has to become its own thing, I feel like sure it, it, it has to
1: because it's such a love letter to next generation. It's always going to be compared to next generation right. And I think next generation at its peak, is a better show than The Orville, but I would be willing to bet that if you went back and watched, you guys did a rewatch of Next Generation not that long ago, I think these first two seasons of The Orville are probably overall stronger than the first two seasons of Next Generation. Oh, and that's absolutely. mainly because The Orville has all those ideas to springboard off of. Right. But I remember the first season of Star Trek and Next Generation watching it as a kid. Didn't hate
0: it.
2: But it's not the best. Oh, yeah. it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, there's some really bad episodes. Yeah.
0: Well, it was like, okay, Star Trek, the motion picture in uh, 79, yeah. I think it was. All right. This was the first time anybody had seen new Star Trek since the right. show. And
1: that's probably and the Star
0: trek movie that there is. It made a ton of money mm-hmm. because of that. It's a not very good movie. <laughs> I, I have yeah.
1: to go back and watch it because yeah. I remember seeing it as a kid. I loved the concept and I loved the resolution. And well, from what I remember, it was very Star Trek and that it was about characters talking yes. about
0: science and all this other stuff. It's it's one of the movies, ironically, that is the most like a Star Trek episode. Yes. Um And it's one of those movies where it moves along to a point and just... Dops. Yeah.
1: Well, they were going up. They were sh- they were going off the success of Star Wars and 2001, so they yeah. thought they could make sort of a collage of both. And you know, yeah. I do remember very long sequences
0: of nothing happening. Yeah, which is very Kubrickian. There was a it, it, I, I joke about it. There's a scene in that, and I don't. I'm, I'm going to wrap this all up. There's a, there's That's a fine. scene in the motion picture where McCoy comes out on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Because that's what McCoy does. He comes yeah. up on the bridge to see what the hell is going. And he, there's no dialogue. We're right. just moving through the cloud, going yeah. oh, to see yeah, that takes forever. And he comes out and he kind of stands, stands by the captain's chair, and we're watching, and we're watching. Yep. And then McCoy turns right back around and goes back in the turbo lift and leaves. <laughs> I, no dialogue. <laughs> Just, what what was that? Just a scene all about, huh, look at that.
1: Well, and we remember the first time they show the Enterprise in that movie. Takes about 10 minutes for them to pilot. And I think that's real time for them to pilot around the Enterprise and go into it. Which is, it's great to see this fully realized, beautiful Enterprise. But after a while, you're just like, okay, I fucking get it.
0: But I don't remember
1: hating that movie. The closest I've come to hating a Star Trek movie Star Trek 5 is not good, but it had its moments.
0: Yeah, I could do a whole show on Star Trek 5. Where I was going with this originally was. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, So, anytime we've had a new Star Trek, it had to find itself. It started with the motion picture. Next Generation was, uh, even before it came out, um, original cast members were saying, "Eh, we don't think this is such a good idea. Right. And then it had those really kind of weak first two seasons, Mm -hmm. but it found itself. Mm Mm-hmm. In any time in deep deep space line well how how are you going to have star trek in a, a it's going to be a hotel in space mm-hmm. that's not going to work oh you've got a woman captain and this voyager thing oh it's just lost in space redone mm-hmm. it, it it happens every show has yeah. to pe- find its
1: footing and and there's yeah. there's not many shows that come out of the gate super strong like breaking right. bad is one of them that was just Pretty fantastic from the very beginning. Glow, yeah. I think, is, 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 when you guys start watching that, is, is pretty strong from the very beginning. Yeah. But most shows, they have to figure out what they are. And I think yeah. the second season of this show is much more going in the direction of you think you know what we are and then we're going to turn everything on its head. But then I think the yeah. problem with that last episode is they decided to do the safe thing
0: as opposed to the thing you weren't expecting. Right. The, the, the I'm looking forward to season three. Me too. Uh, on the strength of season two. I'm yes. like, if you keep going in the direction you went with season two, season three of the Oroville is going to be great. Yep. Uh, sad that we're not going to see it till late next year. Yeah. But that you is know what? what it good is. A good
1: product is worth the wait. Yes. Um, and with that, I pass. <laughs> Tina, any final words?
2: Definitely looking forward to what they continue to to do with it, and and the depth of the characters, yeah, so that's really the most important part. I'm not absolutely. I'm not the kind of trekkie that's really into the ships and the weapons and the yeah. star dates and like you who care about these the people. people are yeah, is right. what matters to me.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I love, for the most part, I love the characters on the show. I'm, uh, like I say, I think, uh, Bordis and, and Gordon are probably my favorites. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I do like Seth MacFarlane. I, I do like the, I think the female characters are really well written. I love Claire, the doctor. Uh, there's just, there's almost nobody that I hate. I just think Isaac, like
0: we said before, is a problem now. Like, yeah. What do
1: you do with him? Cause he's adorable, but he could also annihilate everyone. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and not not doing enough with uh, Lamar's character. Yeah, Uh, I I think they the writers need to either do something with him or I I, I hate to say he's an engineer
1: who's also a ladies' man. You know, it's kind of like okay. Yeah,
2: honestly, I see that whole thing as justice for Jordy because in seven years, Jordy LaForge never got laid. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, Lamar (laughs) (laughs) goes off on this all the time because
1: he. he had a crush yeah. on a hologram, and that was about it.
0: Yeah, the, the most he got was a single line in All Good Things, the very final episode where he talks about being married to Leah. Oh, and that uh, funny. That's all he got. That's funny. You know, you're right. That may
1: be exactly what Seth MacFarlane's doing. It's like let's give the engineer some pussy. <laughs> anyway, on that note, uh, I really yeah. thank you guys for doing this. I think this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank or you ass, again for
0: whatever. Yeah, uh, or
1: ass. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's, it's the future. It's aliens. There's holes everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, really thank you guys for doing this. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you or listen to what you guys do, where could they go?
0: Uh, nerdblisspodcast.com and uh, we are on the the social media outlets at nerdblisspod. Excellent.
1: Well, uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and I hope you got lucky tonight.
0: Oh my gosh, thank you for having us.
2: Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000.
1: Email is at lucky10,000 at gmail.com Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at Lucky, underscore, 10k.